Hey folks, in order to support our show, we'll need the help of some great advertisers. And in order to find our great advertisers, we need to learn a little bit more about you. So, uh, hey yo, it's time for a survey. Go to podsurvey.com slash ringerwrestling to take a quick, anonymous survey that'll help us get to know you a little bit better. That way we can show advertisers just how great you guys are. Even if you've taken a podcast survey before, this one is specific to our show, so we really need you to take this one too. Plus, once you've completed the survey, you can enter to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Again, go to podsurvey.com slash ringerwrestling and take the survey. Thanks for your help, humanoids. Welcome to the Mask Man Show. I'm David Shoemaker. This is Dave Schilling. Hello, we are back. This is great. We're ba- we were here last week. You just traveled to New Orleans and back in the meantime. Yeah, I did the All-Star Game um, from Wednesday through Monday morning and totally missed Raw. I mean, I saw it on TV, but you were there. You were at Monday Night I was Night there. Raw. I was live. I took the valet. I took a, a small eight-year-old child. Uh, that I just found. I, you know, this was a big brother, big sister situation. No, uh, my girlfriend and her kid were there, and uh, both of their first raw experiences, I believe. Um, it was a lot of fun. That part of it was. Re- I mean, I'll, from the moment I started working for Grantland years ago, uh, I always wanted to. I always like tried to watch wrestling with someone who had never watched wrestling. That was like, you know, it's like how you kind of, even if not a kid, but a kid's great, but anybody just to kind of get those clear eyes. Um, so this was it, it was a ton of fun. I have there's some I have some knocks on the on the product too, uh, but we'll get to that when we talk about raw later. What, what were you gonna say? What did the kid think? Oh, he was he loved it. He left with a John Cena shirt. There were only John Cena were the only shirts available in kid sizes. Now maybe the rest of them sold out. I don't know. I wasn't the one at the merch stand, um, but he got a John Cena shirt, and uh, I mean that was like his tenth choice. But that was the only <laughs> one with a kid size, and. Uh, and uh, later on, we were passing by, and he desperately wanted Sasha Banks glasses. And I said, "Yes, you can definitely have you Sasha Banks sunglasses." This is a good child. He understands wrestling already, <laughs> and he gets talent. He sees talent. Yeah, exactly. Um, the biggest news of the week so far uh, are is Finn Balor's abs. Oh my um, god! I saw that. Uh, I was on the toilet as I usually am when I'm looking at my phone. <laughs> and the- well, I'm a, you know, people go to the no, bathroom. No, that's great. That's why people listen to this podcast for these like insights into our lives. Tips into, you know, when to look at your phone. Uh, and he's just shredded, man. It was terrifying. Yeah. The, the real news of the week, I mean, at least in my uh, very specific world, is where the passings of George Animal Steel and Ivan Koloff, neither of those are the real human being names. Um, uh, it, it, they were both given. I was, talk, I was at Raw. They both got their salute at Raw. George got a lengthy video package, um, and Ivan got a uh, you know his picture was shown on the screen at some point. It's very hard watching there to know whether or not things are you're seeing things that are being broadcast to the world or not. Um, obviously, the uh, George Animal Steel was a huge WWE WWF icon. Uh, you know, short lived as it was, and and Ivan Koloff. It was thought of as more of an NWA guy. I, mean, I guess there's some probably like perfect irony, or not irony. It says something sort of magical about the WWE and just the world we live in. That like you know the guy playing a Russian got like a passing mention, but the guy playing a mentally handicapped person got like a ten minute, uh, ten minute video package. But the, um, 
The Andrew, but like Ivan Koloff is the former WWF champion. Like it's this is no like he beat Bruno San Martino for the belt. Oh, that was a big Russian leg drop across San Martino. No, oh, you can hear the pin drop. We got a new champion, San Martino, pinned in New York City. I can't believe my eyes. I don't want to be one of these snarky guys on the internet saying that like. WWE's, you know, evil for not for not giving him more more shine, but like, man, he was great back in the day. I mean, he was when I wrote my book, uh, and when I've written other historical stuff since, he's one. He's a almost he's a sort of Forrest Gumpy character. Like the number of times that I've that I have had to like check the spelling of Oriel Paris or whoever you say his real name is stunning. Like it just keeps coming up. Um, uh, and he's he's really good. But I mean, I think most people of our generation, my generation, if you remember him, you remember him as part of the Russians in the NWA with Nikita Koloff and Crusher Khrushchev. Uh, but man, but he was he was he was just a good all around. He was a very talented hand and, and was one of the early, you know, evil foreign nationalists. Um, I was checking out the the wrestling forum message boards. Um, total throwaway, but there's a but they they there's a 1980 match between him and Dusty Rhodes that was potentially the first ever casket match. Oh yes, this is not going to come around to some metaphor about death. Don't give me, but it was, uh, but they there was just a coffin in the ring, like a lidless coffin sitting in the ring, and they just punched each other and like bumped around it, and then one of them had to end up in the coffin bloodied. I mean, basically, I don't even, I don't even know. What I was watching with the sound off, which was probably a terrible idea. But I mean, anytime you get the chance to see a good Dusty Rhodes gimmick match in fairly high resolution, um, watch that match, man. I mean, it, it's, and and you know what? Maybe the same for Ivan Koloff. I really, I mean, he's maybe it's fitting that he got like a five second tribute right before like a bumper to a commercial because he was like one of the first transitional champions. Like he was just he got a transitional, uh, he got a transitional eulogy. Well, what they always say, and you know, um, most of the, the the historical conversations you hear about the territory days is the WWF or the WWF, whatever you want to call the Vince Senior territory was a babyface territory. Sure. So the person that's selling the tickets for you is your Bruno San Martinos of the world uh, or your Bob Backlunds or later on your Hulk Hogan's. Um, so when uh, if a heel gets the belt, it's usually just for the purposes of putting it on another babyface. And you can't, because they didn't do babyface on babyface matches, which is why WrestleMania six was such a, a revolutionary concept, putting Warrior and Hogan together. So the idea of heel champions was anathema for a long time. So anytime a heel could, like an Iron Sheik or an Ivan Koloff or whoever, could could win the title, you know, that's that's a big thing. It means a lot in terms of where you are looked at uh, on the, the the chart of esteem in professional wrestling. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because Koloff battled the Iron Sheik uh, in uh, Mid Atlantic in the '80s, which is like one like a no, just a notable heel versus heel feud. Um, but the uh, but yeah, you're totally right. The, the guy you didn't mention was the guy that he dropped it to. Uh, the guy that that Koloff dropped the belt to was Pedro Morales, which right. is interesting in its own right because then they eventually went back to. I think Stan Sadasiak beat Morales and gave it back to San Martino, which was like the end of this sort of like um, direct line of of you know WWF WWF champions. It was just like it was they all you know Pedro Morales, Bob Backlund, who you mentioned, San Martino. Uh, before that, though, you know there was the Lundos and uh, uh, 
Argentine Raka, you know, all these guys who sort of like I did. I wrote a piece a long time ago. I should probably revisit it. But they all represented a sort of specific socioeconomic class that was like one and a half generations into, you know, past immigration. Right. They find like they immigrate to America, to New York specifically. And then at some point you have enough money to go to MSG. And then like that giant wave is the is the sort of, you know, wave of I mean, that that's how the new champion is. Is uh, is determined, and Pedro Morales was sort of the end of that. They went back to San Martino, and then kind of a straight line to the mass appeal babyface of the of you know that Hulk Hogan was eventually the. I did watch a great Hulk Hogan, George the Animal Steel match. Must have been right after Hogan won the belt because Hogan was wearing the blue tights and was in that like Vince McMahon at one point was just like. Hulk Hogan weighing in at 300 pounds and 300 pounds has never looked as good on anybody as it did. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Hulk Hogan really did look in peak, like in peak form. Yeah. Um, but it was great because that was heel George the Animal Steel. You know, if you, if we want to keep going metaphorically, George the Animal Steel's, well, first of all, was a, started off as just like a technical wrestler. It was just weird, had a weird career where he was recruited by San Martino to come to New York and then, um, was still working this sort of like classical wrestler gimmick, non gimmick, whatever, but then repackaged himself into a crazy person. Um, and, uh, but when he, he was a heel, Mr. Fuji was his manager. Then he turned on his heel buddies and became a babyface. And we all know the wonderful Miss Elizabeth Macho Man Randy Savage storyline. And making reference, of course, to the love triangle between Elizabeth, the Macho Man, and George the Animal Steel. There is a great piece that, I mean, I, I, if I had spent time, more time trying to figure out how to write this eulogy for him, I think maybe that's the, that's the piece. It's just that, like, his transformation from, like, evil monster into just, like, hapless dupe is just sort of representative of everything that was happening, the WWF at that time. I mean, a guy that looks like him with that yeah. skill set and that physique. He's one, my buddy Zach Linder, who worked at WWE and, and uh, spent a lot of time with, you know, archives and stuff and knew and, and got to, I mean, he, uh, George Steele was working as a booker backstage for a long, I mean, as a, as a agent backstage for a long time, but he was pointed out that he was one of the best promos in the business before he took on this, like, this mute character. Yeah, yeah, basically. It's like goo goo gaga stuff. Anyway, what do you do? You do you remember him from your childhood? Yeah, I mean, my my memory of of George Steele is they used to do these like clip pay per views um, that you could get for like three dollars, or they were free or something if you got a pay per view. Um, you know, Coliseum Video did those back in the day, and uh, it was called WrestleMania's History and Heroes. I taped it on VHS because it was a bunch of pay per views that I'd never seen. That you know, my parents weren't going to just rent pay per view. Uh, VHS copies for me at Blockbuster every day. Yeah. So that was sort of how I, f I found out about the wrestling that I'd missed before I became a fan, which is around 91, 90. Um, and it was WrestleMania 3. They showed all of Steamboat Savage, mm -hmm. which is an amazing thing to get to see as, as a new wrestling fan is watching a match like that, which is still you know, the touchstone for so many guys coming up, learning about wrestling either on the side of being in the business or, you know, what we do talking about it. Uh, and, you know, George Steele was always a kind of a weird character that as a kid you just liked because he was adorable and he seemed helpless. And that's a, that's a thing that you don't see a lot in wrestling anymore is, is a character that you almost feel sorry for, but you don't feel sorry <laughs> for him. True. And like you're pathetic. It's more like he doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. Which is a, a weird thing for a wrestling character. It's a weird, it's a weird, I mean, if you go back and watch his heel stuff, I mean, I've, I found a couple of their matches on the YouTubes and I'm sure the network has some stuff too, but it's funny how 
how just the simple tweak of alignment back in those days can make so much difference. I mean, when he would, we all remember him chewing up the turnbuckles, which was a great innovation. Whoever came up with that shtick should get a medal. But, um, you know, back in the day, he would like use, he would, he was, he was chewing off the turnbuckle so that he could throw his opponent into the uh, exposed turnbuckle. Yeah. He didn't just and, like eating turnbuckles. Yeah. And he was like, <laughs> we use the filling as a weapon to blind people or whatever. I mean, like it was, uh, Wikipedia came really strong under, for George the Animal Steel. You know, sometimes I just, you just have, it's like a, it's a slog to get through the Wikipedia pages of some of these guys, but I was reviewing it to look at, to, I forgot what I was looking for, but um, <clears throat> one, it, it's, uh, I learned, I, I can't believe I didn't know this before, that he started turning his tongue green originally by using Chlorette's breath mints. Oh, wow. I didn't know like that. the green center, which yeah. is just, you know, that's, I mean, sorry, sorry for you kayfabe only listeners out there. But there's also just a great turn where they, for for whatever reason, refer to him absolutely perfectly as uh, they say he he start steel started to fully cultivate his gimmick of a menacing imbecile. <laughs> like menacing imbecile is like the most perfect way to like to describe the heel George the Animal Steel. Um, there were a lot of those back then. You know, I think about Kamala too. Kamala, sure. I watched a, a Kamala Pat Patterson match recently on um, Primetime Wrestling. It's like, wow, there used to be so many of these characters that were purposefully uh, portrayed as stupid, as like incapable yeah. of making decisions for themselves. Sure. It's related to the real sports trope of like, uh, like Johnny, John, Johnny, Johnny football or like, uh, I mean, try to think of a basketball player like Stromile Swift or, you know, Darius Miles back in the day. It's just like, he's got all the tools. If he could just get his head together, you like know, JaVale like, McGee, uh, JaVale McGee is the perfect one. Now, <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um, yeah, the physical, like they're, they're, they're like physically very imposing and that's, that's what gives the baby face a chance, mm-hmm. right? It's just that like you can, you can outwit them. Yeah. Cause it, there's always, every heel has. Pardon the pun, an Achilles heel, a thing that they that prevents them from being as good or as as virtuous or as as successful as the babyface, and and often it's just you're not as physically gifted, so you have to cheat, or you are very vain and you can't help but you know be attracted to women or something. And for George Steele and, and Kamala and characters like that, it was they could be outsmarted by the Hulk Hogan's of the world or the you know the Macho Man's or whoever it was that was a babyface at the time. Yeah. But certainly his run as a babyface, that Miss, Miss Elizabeth Macho Man storyline. I mean, it's funny because he sort of gets edited out of it sometimes, you know? I mean, just in favor of the Macho Man Elizabeth love story. Yeah. It's, you know, you don't well, want to delve a- too much into her dalliances with uh, with with this uh, menacing imbecile. But it's a little the, um, creepy. Huh? It's a little creepy. Oh, it's more than a little bit creepy. But it was really important to that story, to that storyline because as a kid, you're like... There is a certain performative aspect to it where like Vince McMahon was constantly reminding us on the microphone how beautiful she was. Right. You know, and I think George Animal Steel was fulfilled the role of just like the fan avatar where it's like whether or not you really wanted to steal her for Macho Man, like you did you you could sympathize with him and so you were in the story of like wanting her to be away from from the Macho Man. Anyway, I thought he he was really great. Both Ivan Koloff and George Animal Steel are worth your uh, YouTube sl- and just general internet deep dive, especially if you can get early George Animal Steel, Babyface or Heel, but like earlier stuff, if you can find 70s or pre 80, you know, pre 85 work from either of them, it's just worth your time. Like it's, it's the most fun thing you can watch as a wrestling fan. Yeah. And there are echoes of all of that work today. And, and, you know, to really understand the product now, you have to understand the product 
in the 70s or the 60s or the 80s or the 90s. Jim Ross posted, I think, on his Facebook page or something, a great tribute to Steele from like his local news station where like in Detroit where he was a high school wrestling like PE coach basically the football field's named after him now like oh, it's, wow. um yeah I mean it's it, he was he was always you know like he was a teacher and he started wrestling to make some bucks and like even like probably up until like you know before the the baby face turn he was like flying out to New York or Poughkeepsie on the weekends to wrestle and then back to the back to the high school for the week, you know. Well, it's not high schools anymore. Um, no, he they were he his day job was a high school. Oh, I thought you meant they were wrestling in high school. No, they did wrestle in some like gyms and like Pennsylvania gyms back there. I, but I think they were bigger than high school. I so. was stretching for a transition so we could talk about raw. Um, no, they're in giant stadiums like uh, like like the Stable Center. There you go. I will take that from you. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin Owens promo. Can we talk about that up front? Are you talking about Kevin Owens promo? Or are you talking about Max Landis's online promo? We can we could do a little bit of both. Um, I'm just, all in on Max Landis. I just want to say that like uh, my favorite thing about my one of my favorite things about the wrestling internet is that legitimately, I say this without any irony, the biggest heels in the world of professional wrestling are non-wrestling, like wrestling adjacent personalities who fans take umbrage with like the degree to which they've earned their fame. It's (laughs) sort of like the Brock Lesnar syndrome. First of all, Max Landis is a talented dude who whatever you think of him or, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he's, he's got a big personality. So like, whatever you get, you can take it for what it's worth. But like, his wrestling versus wrestling isn't wrestling video was like super great. And, and this Kevin Owens thing I thought was really smart. Um, but like him and like Frank, the clown and even like (laughs) Rosenberg, like whatever, like these are the biggest heels in wrestling. At some point they're going to have to make use. I mean, maybe the way to get Roman reigns over is just to have him beat all those guys up. (laughs) I guess. Cause the only people, the only people that could really get over his heels with like the internet fans are, are people like that. I don't understand that. I mean, isn't the the I was talking to Rosenberg about this pretty good Peter Rosenberg. We were both like on the same page about when you meet someone who likes wrestling as much as you do, who thinks about it as much as you do, why wouldn't you want to just be friends with that person or like that person? Yeah. We all overthink professional wrestling to a degree that I think most wrestling writers or bookers would would uh, consider uh, obsessive or yeah. insane. Well, I used to get this. I used to get this this a lot when I when during the during my Grantland days when I would just try to like what I would really really like break down like what C, the CM Punk storyline or something. And I was fully aware that I was taking it much more seriously and trying to read much more deeply into it than anyone employed by WWE had ever had. And that's not a knock on them. It's a knock on me. Like I knew that I was. <laughs> I knew that I was like like clearly I am working the gimmick. You know. Yeah. And I think that like the big, if you want to say if that's what Max was doing, Max Landis was doing in, in, in this Kevin Owens video that he did, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's reading too more into Kevin Owens character than the WWE writers probably have. And I mean, maybe Kevin Owens is, I mean, he's obviously got as far as he has based on his brain as much as anything else. Um, he may be, he may have thought this deeply, but I, but, but you know, it doesn't matter that it's, uh, that it's more than what's on the, pay, uh, on the screen. That's exactly what wrestling is. But that's wrestling, what, the point of pro, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, that's everything about art, you know? Yes. The entire point of pro wrestling is 
to be a morality play that we read our own personal like grievances and like anxieties into. That's what it, it's like. It's it is very base. It is bigger than what you're watching in the ring or on television. And we do that shit with every TV show we watch, oh, every yeah. movie we watch, every sporting event that we watch. As a as a sports writer, my job is to go watch a sporting event and and give it more meaning than people throwing balls yes. around. The, Gr- the Grantland Rice. That's right. Yes. Yeah. That's 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 the whole gig. And so. Anytime I see somebody who gets enthusiastic about wrestling in the way that I do, or you do, or Rosenberg does, or Max Landis does, I understand and I relate. And it's a shame that there are so many people who write uh, things on the internet slamming Max Landis or slamming Rosenberg or slamming any of us who who are just fans. We're just fans, and we are lucky that we have enough time in our day to sit around thinking about it so much. And I thought a lot about that Kevin Owens promo because it was so good and because... You're talking about the actual Kevin Owens promo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's basically what, what Landis is talking about, the this so, this sort of whole arc of Kevin Owens as a character. And we got to see a little mini version of that arc that he went through in the indies and in NXT in, through the course of this Jericho thing. He's friends with somebody, he loses sight of himself and then he destroys them and then he becomes this monster. And we hadn't seen that arc in WWE yet. Uh, I will say this, having seen it live. There's something to the best, the best pro wrestlers. They work at a metaphorical volume that is exactly right. One of the reasons why wrestling seems silly, there's a lot of them to the, uh, to like the, the, you know, the, the, the fresh fan. Is that they're is that they have to project so much, right? I mean, you literally are acting to the person in the fiftieth row. You're trying to make they have to be able to see your face. In the, in the era of television, that's shifted a little bit, but still, that's how you work house shows. You're like pointing at the guy on the in the balcony, you know, and it's this very outsized, like old Greek drama sort of way to do it. And when people do it, when people, it's that's why when Hollywood actors get in the ring when they're guest hosts of Raw, they they seem insane because. They're either doing their normal acting, which doesn't work, or they're trying to modify and they just don't know how. But like regular acting on that stage doesn't work. This is all a very long way to say. Kevin Owens has has a way of being a pro wrestler, speaking to the person in the back row, but also seeming like he's talking to somebody who's six inches away from his face. And he doesn't always do it. But on Monday night, he turned it on. And I was watching from, I was sitting right by the camera. So like, you know, halfway up the first riser. And I could look over and see the close-up cam. I could see the, like, the, the, the screen of the, the video camera, the, the guy that was working close-ups from back there. So I, if I look to my left, I see just Kevin Owens' face, just like filling this tiny screen. If I look up, I can see the jumbotron and see what's going on, see what people are going on at home. But if I look right in front of me, I see Kevin Owens, you know, 200 feet away, just sitting in the ring in the spotlight doing this promo and it was just one of the most compelling things I've ever seen. I mean, in every, but every iteration of it, the TV, the guy, the camera guy watching it in real life, every, every, every point of view, he was like, he, he was just a hundred percent. It was unbelievable. Such magnificent work. Anyway, that was a long Kevin Owens ramble, but like that, he, he deserves all the praise that he gets. man. Yeah. 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 I, I was, I was really stoked that they chose in the in the instance of this this Owens promo, he didn't get his music when he came out. 
you didn't have to hear Michael Cole talking about what happened. Uh, it was because there could have been a pop. There could have been sort of any kind of reaction, positive uh, or negative to it. But you're really just thrown into this very intimate setting and, and you're forced to, to look at him uh, and just look at him and not have that whatever uh, immediate just like physical reaction you're going to have to, oh, this is the first time we're going to see him since he did this horrible heel turn. You know, the, 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 the real measure, we should move off of Kevin Owens, but the real measure of the greatness of that promo was that I, I spent a lot of time thinking about whether or not he was going to beat Goldberg. Like after that, I was tweeting about this uh, that night. I said, WWE did a magnificent job of making me think that he could actually win that match. And I know he's not going to win. He's definitely not going to win. But he could. Okay. So, and here is what's great about professional wrestling. This is the one thing. No, I mean, the promo was the peak of professional wrestling in a lot of ways. The women's match we saw later in the night was, you know, also a peak. I mean, that was, it was a good match, you know. I really thought we were going to go see, we were going to see Owen Zane too. And I was just like talking to my girlfriend, just like you came for the best night of wrestling maybe ever. Like this is going to be incredible. Um, what makes wrestling so great is that not only did they, were they able to make us believe that he could win, that he could beat Goldberg at Fastlane, but he could actually beat Goldberg at Fastlane because that promo was so great. Yeah. Like this is how pro wrestling works, right? Wins and losses don't matter. Like whatever, this matters. Like having the fans react to you, like they're reacting to him then and online. Like that's what, now probably nothing's changing on the WrestleMania plans at this point, but you know, I mean, it could, I mean that of, of all of the quote unquote major changes that they could make to the card between now and WrestleMania, that one is the easiest to pull off. All they got to do is have Brock Lesnar run in and like powerbomb Kevin Owens and, 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 uh, you know, he, he wins or loses by his wins by his qualification. And the same two matches happen at WrestleMania. Just one of the different one has the belt. And then we get to set up this Kevin Owens Lesnar feud that we've, you know, all been dreaming of. But, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's why wrestling's awesome, man. Cause now we're really going to be thinking about it. Yeah. I'm actually going to be paying attention <laughs> instead of like, oh, I'm going to go get some Cheetos. <laughs> All right, we got to talk about so much more, and we've been—I've been just like monologuing. I feel like um, Raw, so Raw Live. Well, it was super fun to be there with people who are not, you know, are new fans. Let's talk quickly about the Rock promo that was not on screen. That Oof. was a dark promo. You, uh, you think I'm kidding? But I'm gonna call CM Punk right now. Man. First of all, everyone getting all the stuff about WWE's mad that he brought up CM Punk. And there's all these like straight face news stories like, oh, we called CM Punk and CM Punk didn't answer. I mean, why, why do we not think that? Why don't we just assume that it was all a work? Like everything is a work, right? Just we believe that The Rock is being like 100 percent honest at all times. If someone said if you I mean, if someone said like call CM Punk right now to you and you were standing 30 feet away from them, wouldn't you just push up like meh, 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 like push your phone and hold pretend? The, yeah. yeah, especially if he doesn't pick up. It's like, OK, well, it could have been anybody. Maybe it was it work. But if if that's the case, then that's an implication that, hey, maybe he's coming back. And but yeah, that, I guess but, WWE, WWE has to put out has to like leak out. Oh, we're really mad about this. But why the hell? Here's the problem this? with the whole the whole situation and people thinking it's a big deal. It's a it's a scene in a movie that is replicating a match between Paige and CM Punk's wife, AJ Lee. Of course, there's going to be CM Punk chance. You just play AJ Lee's music and someone comes down pretending to be her. I I think the big I think the bigger problem which is going unremarked on is that there is a movie (laughs) that I don't understand that part. Is it? (laughs) 
<laughs> that is featuring a match between Paige and AJ Lee. It's the night after WrestleMania 30. I mean, I get it. I mean, I know what the bite it's about Paige, but like, what a weird movie. Why is there a movie coming out about I mean, no slight on Paige, but Paige hasn't been on TV in a, a year or something. Uh, it's a very strange situation, but I, I mean, want, yeah, we're like, she's a big deal in England, though, right? Her family's a big deal in England, and I, I think it's know. like an English thing. I love, I love Paige. I, I just, it's just like, can we just marshal the Hollywood wrestling forces in a slightly more productive ways? Yeah, like No Holds Barred Two. Yeah, I want to know what Rip is doing right now. <laughs> Rip has retired and sued a website. I want the Alundra Blaze story, like on Lifetime or something. Her dumping the title on Nitro. I want to. I want so many stories. Anyway, The Rock coming out was really, really cool. I like that. I like that we're in this sort of like post. I mean, what a weird post kayfabe thing to do to come out and get the crowd to cheer as if they're seeing, as if they're seeing things in a match. And we didn't. What he came out and just made the crowd cheer in certain ways and just cut rock. You know, did rock shtick. Uh, so while the camera crew just filmed them reacting so they could cut to that in the match. And stuff. Also, let's talk about the layers of reality that we're dealing with. We're dealing with oh, not only so the weird. kayfabe of professional wrestling and the, the, the artifice of that, but also you're recreating a professional wrestling match that's already fake and already staged for a fake staged movie. <laughs> and then you're also dealing with the reality of CM Punk suing WWE or being sued by WWE or whatever it is and him not being there. And it's just... There's way too much going on with that, and it must have been an interesting scene. Yeah, I mean, I just like you're just the, this is not to continue your point, but to make a movie that's there's a documentary that already exists. I mean, it was just like a whatever, like not even BBC, like British documentary about this family, and like the most the most interesting thing if you're gonna tell the story is like the craziness that's happening right now in the real world, right? The Alberto Del Rio, like. Just give, just get, get Tarantino to like write that Natural Born Killers too or something. You know, I mean, like, there's that's interesting, but, but like that's always the, or not always the case, but often the case with WWE storylines is there's the storylines and there's a reality, and the reality sometimes is way more interesting than the storyline. I was talking to somebody about, oh man, this is terrible content. I was talking to someone about the WrestleMania card and what it was supposed to be and what, how, what it's going to be. Somebody that that knows some stuff. And I think it's safe to say that the that what's the the stuff that's happening in real life is much more interesting than any of the storylines that are happening on the screen. Certainly yeah. more interesting than Maurice with a pipe, um, <laughs> a rubber pipe. By the way, that was the least convincing wait, gimmick we, I've ever we're, seen. We're, 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 we're so running out of time. Uh, is there uh, okay? Uh, here here are my brief thoughts on Raw, going to see Raw live. It is fucking terrible. It's too long. You can't fast forward. There's three the hours. You're sitting there for three hours. Yeah, you can't fast forward. But you can't even. You don't realize how much you fucking love. Like I, I just I I would have given anything for a Papa John's commercial at some point. There's like twenty minute segments between stuff that's happening in the ring. You're not. I don't even think we were seeing the backstage stuff. I mean, it was just like something would happen. Like the, the like JoJo's voice was the only thing I heard for you know three hours. That's besides cheering and stuff. And I had a great time. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just <laughs> I'm, I'm just complaining right now. Sure, but I mean like every time so every time a match would end, it it was just like another five minute promo for the Scooby Doo WWE movie. <laughs> 
or like <laughs> like these lengthy like create your like p- create a player mode in, in WWE 2K whatever 17. How many Which, times did you have to see that commercial for the mobile game where everybody has a giant head? No, I don't think I don't think I ever saw that. That's a real commercial. I just yeah. kept seeing the same like two or three things oh. over and over again in these literally lengthy versions. And I might have missed it. I went and out, you know, I, I left my seat more than a few times. By the way, that create a player mode thing, I don't even know if that's a real commercial or if it's a thing you only you have to go online and look for it. When they when they show the generic player, it's Cody Rhodes. <laughs> like I that must be a rib because it's just like make your own dude. And it's just like I'm making Cody Rhodes right now. Well, yeah. I mean, he is literally the create a wrestler yes. guy. So yeah, I mean, I just think I don't know. They got to get some cheerleaders and t-shirt guns or something. Nitro girls, baby. Nitro girls. Nitro girls were on TV. That was the dumbest part of the Nitro girls. But it's like, it's not enough, man. It's not like I was like, I could have taken several naps. And it wasn't even like, oh, this is just like, there's lots of commercials. It's just like endless amounts of time. I mean, literally like 10 or 15 minutes between Matt, between things happening in the ring. And you're just like, why? I don't know why I'm here. Do At you, least call intermission. So like everybody knows when to go to the bathroom. Do you think that we've gotten to a point where going to see professional wrestling live is is on the level of watching the NFL live where yeah you do it but you only do it so you can tailgate and you can drink a bunch and you can pass out. I've been to an NFL game in a long time but I feel like the experience of being at a football game is more rewarding in a certain way and it's not quite it's sort of like the baseball thing where you're just like chilling in a nice outdoor oftentimes outdoor or domed whatever environment and um yeah, on a certain to a certain degree, you're there to like, yeah, but you're also, beers yeah, and you're eat hot dogs. Sitting around and being bored half the time. Yeah, no, that's totally true. But at least you can look down and be like, I wonder who, like, you know, I wonder what conversation the quarterback and the QB coach are having right now. You know, there's like you get to see behind the scenes. Yeah, you can't see Gorilla when you're at Raw. They should, they should open that up, man. I agree. There's always a one little part where you can see people walking like over to the side and it's just like, you know, custodians or whatever. But like you just wish you like you're staring. spent a lot of time staring at that, seeing if I could suss anything out. <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, um, that's uh, it's I, a made for TV product. I, I had a great it is. It's it's I mean, the pay-per-views are really fun to go see. Don't get me wrong. And house shows are so much fun to go see. I I would rather see a house show than Raw any day of the week right now because it's because they they're playing to the audience. They care. They're they're playing to the crowd that's there watching the show. And there's no. I'm not. I'm. This is not a blanket condemnation of Monday Night Raw. Like they're they're perf- they, they, there's a reason why you're there. You know. But the reason why you're there thing is a point I wanted to make. WWE. You hear from the people inside about how like the smart fans hijack the you know the crowd. They're hijacking the shows and like. There's all obviously we've seen this whether or not the people are talking about it. We've seen this over and over again. It's the smart fans, the people like us who go there and start chanting like for our, our beloved wrestlers, and it runs contrary to what they see at WWE sees at house shows, and you know it's run, runs contrary to storytelling. You're booing Roman Reigns and stuff like that. Well, open letter to WWE. If you want that to stop, you have to put on a show that casual fans can follow and stay invested in. I was with an eight-year-old kid who, like, who was just who was like staring at the crowd behind him for half the show. The only people who were the only reason why anybody is making any noise in that arena after like twenty minutes of silence, five-minute match, fifteen minutes of silence. I mean, it's not silence, but like of nothing active. The only reason why anybody is making any noise at all is because they they showed up to cheer ironically. Those are the only people who have any motivation and have any like no one is cheering organically in an environment like that because there's just no, it, it, with the exception of a really good 15 minute match or even like a five or eight minute match. 
it takes a while to get back invested to say like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be watching. Now let me tell the story. But like, you can't hear the announcer, so you're missing half the story anyway. You got to get really invested in, in it. And there's no cadence to the show. There's no flow to the show. No so rhythm. Yeah, you're the right. O- the only, ri- the only, I said it before. The only people who are going to cheer from almost anything that happens are people that show up to cheer. It's like professional protesters. That's the only, there's the, the I mean, the crowd, the crowd isn't hot because of what's going on in the ring most of the time. It's hot because the crowd wants to be hot. Yeah. I I think that there's, there's gotta be a disconnect between what's going on at gorilla and in the office versus what's going on in the arena, because it's not like, you know, Vince McMahon or triple H or Stephanie or any of the big wigs or or muckety mucks are sitting in the crowd during the show. They're a gorilla or they're, they're in the locker room. You can tell a lot from gorilla, but I think that they're, but they can tell they're, it's not about what you can tell or what you can hear. It's about what you feel. I will say this. You're right. I would say there, some things just feel totally different live. Certainly, like the the volume and the and the and the, the whatever the 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 sorts of cheers or boos, whatever that people get, definitely convey differently live. But some things just are look are just better live in general. Like the Big Show versus Braun Strowman, it was so great there's a lot of heat for that too through the you, you know when you're watching it on tv it, it sounded like you can watching that up. match you understand why Vince McMahon is just like let's book seven footers together every night for the rest of time it's and you understand why it's working i mean we talked i talked about this about andre the giant when i was on bill's podcast last week you know they always put him up against these big guys big john stud or eduardo carpentier or like i mean there's all you know all these like giant versus giant matches even even hogan andre you you really understand it when you see it live. I'll just leave it at that because it's it's just a whole nother beast. Well, yeah, it's like you know I was at the roast of Justin Bieber a couple years ago, and I wrote a piece for oh, Grantland about it. And humble she, brag here. Well, no, 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 no. This is leading to a thing. So I'm leading to the humble brag. Yes. So Shaq was there, and uh, Shaq was uh, standing next to Kevin Hart, and it looks impressive on TV to see Shaq next to a small person. But when you see Shaq in real life. Or when I saw him at the All-Star game, he's huge. Yeah. It's really, really, it takes your breath away when someone's that big and, and not only in height, but in, in size. And I get it. You know, I get Vince McMahon's obsession with bodies and size and stuff like that. Uh, and it's not as impressive to see a shorter guy. It's not, so I've talked about it before. Like uh, Cesaro and Sheamus uh, versus uh, Kaz, Enzo and Kaz. I mean... Enzo's my favorite guy in the ring, so apologies to him up front. But those other three guys, and Sheamus in particular, look so freaking impressive live. Cass look like like bigger than Hulk Hogan ever was in every way. But but Sheamus just sort of like you, you just kind of blurs on the TV screen, you know. Live he looks like a beast, and Cesaro is. I mean, it's like watching it, you know, like. I don't even know. I mean, it's just like the CGI of a of a from like a, a Superman movie before they actually put the skin on. You know, I mean, <laughs> right. it's he's incredible, man. And that's I think that's why people who are observers of wrestling get frustrated with someone like Sasha Banks not being the number one female on Raw or in the company in general. And Charlotte is. You look at Charlotte. Charlotte's a champion. She has that incredible body. She's really tall, broad shoulders. She looks imposing physically. And Sasha Banks is not there, and so I kind of get why maybe for a house show or for a live audience, it's not as impactful. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Maybe I just need to get 
Simmons to send me to like 600 shows this year, and I'll just I'll, I'll do some sort of like diagnostic. Let me know if you need a plus one. Uh, you're you're invited, man. Thank um, you. Well, speaking of uh, speaking of wrestlers who look like wrestlers, but we were watching SmackDown last night, and and Naomi came to the ring with her belt because every woman every time a woman wins the belt, that she has to cut basically a shoot a work shoot promo about how long she's wanted it now. Um, but she was like, Naomi doesn't look like a wrestler. And I was just like, like, what do you mean? She was just like, well, she's just not, she looked all these other girls are like skinny and, you know, have blonde hair. And like, she looks like a real person who could probably really hurt you, but like a real person. Um, what do you think about that promo? What do you think about that angle? I thought it was great. I thought, you know, it seems to me like she's going to get her big moment in Orlando. Yeah. That she's going to get the belt back. That this was just a way to get heat, and I think I, she's going to be back for Mania. Yeah, I think so. Uh, her calling Daniel Bryan Brian, his real his real first name, was an interesting touch. Well, she knows him from Total Divas, <laughs> right? I forget that they're also co stars on uh, E's number one wrestling related reality show. But the that element of reality was great. She seemed for the first time to really be able to emote. And give us something besides the catchphrases. I'm sure they probably just let her go out and like speak from the heart. Well, I mean, part of it, I mean, she definitely, her look has certainly changed since she debuted, or at least since her single, I mean, definitely since she debuted, but also since her singles career kind of took off. Um, I think it's, she's just really going to, she's, she's really in position to benefit from the fact that like we're taking women's wrestling seriously and we're filling out our women. They're filling out their women's rosters to the point where like, you kind of have to be yourself if you're going to get over, you know I mean? And you have to have a, I mean, in, in the absence of a prevailing gimmick, you got to differentiate yourself, you know, and not everybody can just be like the, the blonde haired models. Like they would have been, you know, five years, five years ago. ago. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't that long ago that everyone basically looked like Kelly Kelly. Yeah. Uh, you just think Kelly Kelly was actually just working like, you know, 30 matches a night. She was just an iron woman. That's why you're thinking <laughs> that. And it really, it really was just Kelly Kelly. Kelly Kelly versus Beth Phoenix, uh, all the time, just every week. Um, so anyway, th- so that, okay. I'm excited to you that you think she's coming back. That's cool. We got it. We got to get out of here soon. We have a new, we have two new theoretical number one contenders. I actually looked at the Wikipedia page for WrestleMania, uh, just to see like, what, see how it was like getting filled in. And um, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to find it now. But the, um, but oh yeah, there's two matches. I, this is last night. I don't know if it's still like this or not. As of last night, we have Brock Lesnar with Paul Heyman versus Goldberg in a singles match and Bray Wyatt versus AJ Styles or Luke Harper in a singles match for the WWE Championship. I love that, that, that we have enough information to put that SmackDown title match actually into the matches listing, given that we don't have a number one contender even announced and... Randy Orton is going to be involved in this match. <laughs> he Instagrammed a picture of himself, like creepily looking over Bray's shoulder at the title belt. Like this is like, this is clearly, yeah, we know where this is going, but it's nice that they're trying to create some intrigue. Um, so who do you think, do you think AJ, I mean, do, it's gotta, it's gotta be the chain. If we're going to stick with that, I think we guys just stick with that guys. It's Shane somehow screws AJ out of his win at the, during the AJ Luke Harper rematch next week or rematch, whatever match next week. Yeah. Somehow he's going to not get his title shot. He's going to blame Shane McMahon instead of Daniel Bryan. I blame Shane McMahon Shane for hasn't most been of on the t- evil that befalls me. <laughs> Shane hasn't been on TV in a few weeks, but sure. Blame him. And then that will go, we're off to the races there and then triple threat for the belt. And you know what? Luke Harper is having the best 2017 of any person I've ever seen. 
Um, we got to get out of here. Um, there is a paragraph on the Wikipedia page, like the, you know, there's like the background section and it, or the storyline section and it, and it like tells you the, the, the lead up to all these. And they have paragraphs for a lot of the matches that aren't announced yet. And one of them is, is, uh, your good friend Shaquille O'Neal versus Big Show, which, you know, not happening. That seems unlikely. I, I can guarantee you it's not happening. Like personal knowledge or just intuition? Just, you know, professional um, seems like awareness. Seems like Los Angeles would have been the place to bring him out. Oh, yeah. On Monday night. Yeah. If they, if they, the fact that they haven't done anything, that he's not talking about it with the press anymore, that Big Show's not talking about it with the press anymore, it's not happening. Mm. There's been no movement on that. You think he's just scared of the Big Show? I think he's probably not able to train in the ring and take enough bumps to make a good match. But that's a guess. I mean, it, I just know uh, not, a, there's a lot of WrestleMania. If, if, if bump taking were a necessity at WrestleMania, we would have, we have a lot, uh, there'd be like 10 matches that disappeared from history. If he can't be as good as Mr. T or Lawrence Taylor in the ring, he shouldn't do it. Um, wait, do we have a new hall of fame inductee? Uh, yeah, so it's Kurt Angle, it's, oh, DDP, DDP. Oh, right. DDP, congratulations to him, well-deserved, um, didn't have the best run in WWE, but everything that he did in WCW. Being, everything he's done in his retirement phase, and it's like... Saving it's, the lives of multiple wrestlers with DDP yoga. I gotta tell you, I love DDP, I've done DDP yoga, I think it's really great. That's a, that is a, a Hall of Fame induction speech that I... We'll watch with a remote control in my hand after it actually happens. Very quickly. It's going to be like three hours long. Who do you think is going to, to bring him out? Bischoff? No, it's got to, they got to do Jake. They got to do Jake, right? Or do somebody who he's like actually. Yeah. Yeah. Someone that he saved. Jake would be good. There you go. Um, we got to get out of here. Is there, we're, we're missing a million things. Seth Rollins will be back on Raw next week. What's your level of excitement? Uh, seven. Talk to a guy who, uh, who had the same injury recently. And what did he say? How soon can he come back? I was like, how quickly were you just like walking around? He was like, well, I was walking around like five days later, but like I was like, you know, I was on my walking around with my hands on like the end table and then on the sofa and then on the table, you know, whatever. Like he was and it took some help. Um, and it said, he said, even for him, it took him, you know, mo- like five to six months before he was comfortable doing stuff but he's not the crossfit jesus he's not and he's not and he wasn't wearing a knee brace and he wasn't getting paid lots of money to do that <laughs> stuff so. exactly um that's really an unofficial polling of the uh of the situation um uh cm so cm punk we've determined is definitely coming back to to raw after that uh the rock calling oh, he'll be there on, uh, he'll be there next week i don't I, I actually didn't read anything about that rock thing we can talk more about the rock next week if people have questions about it so like hit me up and hit dave up on twitter with questions we're, we're gonna start yeah, we, more of that stuff. We want to start hearing from you about questions that you have about the wrestling, at, wrestling business. I'm at David Shoemaker. You're what? At Dave underscore Schilling. Um, underscore. That's a terrible gimmick. I couldn't get at Dave Schilling. I remember there was a time Simmons tweeted at me, and it was the he tweeted other day? at Dave Schilling, and boy, did he get a lot of notifications yeah, from that, people. Happen. It's the power of social media. Um, no, I think underscore would be a great wrestler's nickname. And then on Twitter, it could just be the underscore. <laughs> so it's like a symbol. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Anyway, uh, I, there's, I'm trying to see if we missed anything else. We Nakamura, Nakamura wants to face AJ Styles at WrestleMania. I think that uh, I think that the boat has sailed on. The ship has sailed on that one. Yep. 
if he could take a time machine back uh, like four months, that might WrestleMania that might be more 34. Possible. It'll happen. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I want to talk about the Ring of Honor New Japan card. Let me talk about Ring of Honor. I feel like we're going to have a reason to talk about Ring of Honor next week. Or week I think after. what we should do is a Ring of Honor special episode where we just talk about, or not just Ring of Honor, but every other promotion that we never yeah, talk about. You're just making me do homework. TNA, New Japan, Ring of Honor, uh, PWG, uh, Pro Wrestling Noah, all of them. We can just field questions from people about stuff that we haven't watched. Well, we probably watched, a I lot watched of it. I watched some, yeah. That's a good idea. We should do a cute. We should. Uh, we'll, we'll go on Twitter, ask for questions, non WWE related questions, and then just do a special episode. Yeah, ask me about Lucha Underground. Ask any. Ask me about. It. Man, I love Lucha Underground. Okay, uh, we never get to talk about it. You're right. All right, we got to get out of here. Um, man, that was a long one. They always feel so short to me because I love talking to you, David. I talked a lot this week. I apologize, guys. We're gonna have to edit this down. Apologies to our good producer Jim, who's gonna have to deal with this monstrosity. And apologies to Dean Ambrose, right? Yeah, apologies, as always. <laughs> apologies to Dean Ambrose. We'll see you back here next week, humanoids.